Blog Talk Radio. Once again, if you will, um, I am your host, Stephen Platinum, and co-hosting, as always, the venerable, inexorable, wonderful Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? Hot damn. Um, yeah, I had, to throw in wonderful, I had to throw in wonderful at the end so um, our listeners would actually get one of the three words and know the meaning. So (laughs) inexorable, there's no way. And venerable, they probably only know because we say it every time. So how are you doing tonight? (laughs) Doing doing, uh, fairly well. I just uh, fresh off uh, doing my civic duty by casting my vote in Georgia's primaries, which got me sliding in a little late here. But uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How uh, How were the polls? I'm curious. How busy were they? Empty empty and they told me it had been light all day and apparently light all over the state so this did not attract the uh casey cagle brian kemp race apparently did not bring people out in 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 droves to to make to cast their ballots they said it was a ghost town when i was over there so anyway but there's a uh sure has been a busy interesting week in, in wrestling here um Let's uh, uh oh before we do Let's anything talk about, else. Like, can we talk about tonight. Howard Brody first? Oh yes, oh I'm yeah. sorry. Yes, our guest tonight. Yeah, I just please. Mention that. Our... We we're, we're real I'm real pleased to have Michael Judas as our guest tonight. He'll be coming on in a few minutes. Uh very interesting uh, guy who's been around a lot of places and is now back and very active in the Georgia scene. So we'll see what he's been up to and get a chance to chat with him in just a few minutes. But yes, what about Howard Brody landing a TV deal for Ring Warriors? On WGN, Howard Brody, he of uh, is was it uh, swimming with piranhas? I believe. I think I that am the, the one of. I think I am the two people, along with his mother, that actually read that book. And so, um, Howard Brody, I got to give him credit for this. Uh, he's a survivor. I mean, that book was a long time ago. He's a guy that's done just about everything. A former NWA uh, president, is that correct? I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, he of the ill-fated. One of my favorite things before we talk about Ring Warriors and him landing a deal um, is, uh, you know, they did this big angle. I think it was at like the NWA, maybe I want to say 53rd anniversary show in Florida. And they did a big invasion angle where Jeff G. Bailey and a bunch of the wild side guys kind of showed up and whipped their ass. And then Howard Brody, (laughs) they wouldn't sell the beating. They like popped up and then cut this promo and kind of ruined the whole angle and killed it dead. You you can only imagine how big that would have been. Remember when um, Southern Fried did Georgia versus Florida it was a big, huge thing. Can you imagine doing it on the scale of the NWA with the Florida leagues versus NWA Wildside? What a great thing that would have been, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think we, we talked about it in the show once, uh, I think, in relation to the return of IPW. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was at that show where that angle went down, and it was quite a thing because it was obvious that it wasn't going the way it was supposed to go um, and that there was legitimate heat between the uh, Georgia boys and the Florida boys. So the uh, TV, what's, what, what TV deal does Ring Warriors have? Well, so they have announced they're going to be WGN America at 8 o'clock Saturday mornings. Now, the, you know, one thing I understand from somebody who has knowledge of this is that they are not paying 
for this time. Now, whether they are being paid is another story, but they are not paying. Okay. Um, so the thing, I guess one of the things I thought about was, well, what does WGN have to lose at 8 o'clock Saturday morning? What are they airing at that time? And what kind of ratings could whatever they're airing at that time possibly draw? So right. they have little to, to lose in the situation, I would think. Um, you know, so Brody has a weekend at Samstown in Vegas booked for, what, one weekend this month and, or what, excuse me, one in August and one in September, I believe, to get the first mm. set of tapes uh, uh, under, the, under their belts. Um, and there's a gentleman named Howard Lipkin involved. I think he may be listed as CEO. He's listed as an offer, officer of the company in the uh, press okay. release who um, – has a background in the magazine business and so forth, media, and well, I suspect that he may be money. He he may have money into this, but I, that's just speculation. I was going to say there's a lot of that just sort of screens money mark, um, but I guess we'll see who's who and what's what exactly. Um, here's another question. This reminded me of that. Um, what's going on with the NWA? I mean, how long ago was it that it's like Billy Corgan's got it and it's going to do this thing and has there been any news whatsoever on the NWA front for like damn near a year? Other than them taking the champion around to different shows. Um, as far as the yeah. running shows on their own, um, could Corgan actually do running it? No, I, I've not heard them they've actually running shows. No, yeah. Maybe now, you you know, to give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe this is as a result of them actually going slowly and planning things out, and and later on, you know, the the fruits are going to sprout on the tree. But I, I just strongly suspect it's kind of like the XFL, where I always like sort of dig around for XFL news, and the last thing that they did was they had like Andrew Luck's father as the commissioner, and then just. <laughs> like that's the latest from the XFL that oh we've got a commissioner and you know and he just spouted the same stuff that McMahon spouted about our guys aren't going to take a knee it's like great <laughs> a great thing to build your football company around our guys aren't going to take a knee so yeah um, strange but speaking of strange um, who's the strangest one of all, Mirror Mirror on the Wall? It is Paul Lee, and there's actual Paul Lee news. Now, Larry, um, you know, I, I'm sure just about everybody who listens to Tipping Point knows who Paul Lee is. But if you don't, um, it behooves you to go look this guy up. So everything from running for, to the <laughs> running for mayor in the town that he lives in, um, having the Nature Boy gimmick, paying Ric Flair to show up at one of his shows just so he could sort of pass the torch to Paul Lee and legitimize him somehow, um, to endless squabbles and feuds that Paul Lee's got in, to having a show that used to cost thousands of dollars and draw nobody, to a show that costs still probably costs a great deal of money, but now actually has people that show up and watch it. Uh, Paulie is quite the interesting character, and this news is worthy of him. What is it, Larry? Well, there are several things. He, uh, on his Facebook page, he stated that he spent almost a million dollars in one day to purchase two businesses. He went on to say that uh, he was going to be opening the first franchise of the Turnbuckle Wrestling Bar and Grill in Ringgold. If you love Hooters, you will love turnbuckle was the um, catchphrase. Listen, I uh, thought you were kidding. Is that really the catchphrase? That no, is no, that is, fucking, that, that is, that is, that is, that is terrible. That, that is terrible. If you, if you like Hooters, you'll love turnbuckle or if you yeah, love it, Hooters, it, you'll love. What? It, am I missing something? Is Hooters not a hot concept anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Um, here in Orlando, um, there's there's Hooters, of course, and, uh, and Georgia has as well, and and of course Georgia has the Tilted Kilt. Um, I think my favorite of the Hooters knockoffs is Twin Peaks, just because I kind of love the audacity of that name. 
Um, yes, plus that it invokes David Lynch, it, even though it has nothing to do with David Lynch. It's also <laughs> kind of hilarious and funny to me. But so he's going to start these restaurants. So he spent a million dollars on two businesses. I, I guess we're supposed to just assume those businesses. One of them is sort of restaurant related and the other is. Um, the other is the yeah. I, one can assume, although he doesn't state this specifically, that it's the brand new <clears throat> AWF arena in Ringgold. With a, coupled with the announcement that he's going to be running a southeastern territory with TV and full-time talent. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Now, Larry, um, why don't we go back and forth before we have Michael Judas on predictions for uh, Paul Lee's league. Here's my first one. You ready? Yeah. Um, he's he's going to have – because we're legit, guys, we're legit – you're going to have to sign these contracts. I'm calling it right now. They're going to have to sign some kind of ridiculous contract to wrestle for him. That's, that's prediction number one, based on every uh, crappy failed wrestling league uh, ever. Uh, do you have a prediction? Now, you might be more um, optimistic than me. In fact, that's almost a certainty. <laughs> but do you have a prediction for Polly's new big-time league? Before I give mine, I want to say yours is pretty safe based on what I understand he asks his trainees to sign. Um, yeah. So I would have a feeling that any that their same would be true of anybody who's uh, going to be working for this company. But my prediction is there, of course, the obvious one is that there there will be no TV of any sort. Uh, that that's mm. never going to happen. Yes. Um, here's another. Um, some wrestling person of note that Paulie will defer to think um, like what Shane Douglas was to the, to um, XPW, right? Um, some wrestling person of note that Paulie will try to attach himself to, to give him credibility will come up with some cockamamie scheme probably related with, well, you know, wrestling did it this way for years so we're going to do it this way and it will spell doom for the company and then there will be great great drama um you know they'll have some kind of idea about television or some kind of like you know they'll sink all their money into some kind of cockamamie scheme or they'll go oh you know let's just base them all out of the restaurant That'll be huge because it'll be the synergy. They're going to use the corporate words, of course. Synergy between having people in the restaurant eating and uh, and then watching wrestling, and it'll be great and it'll be amazing. Um, and of course, it'll be a spectacular disaster. And Larry, I will be so disappointed if you don't get there to at least one of their shows. <laughs> you know, I've never been to AWF, and if he, I will make a promise that if he actually <laughs> announces a date where they're going to do a TV taping. I will go to AWF to see said um, TV taping. Um, it's why Larry you know, is number one. <laughs> it's fantastic. Another piece of this, though, you know, he's on this show in, <laughs> did, did you see about this show in Huntsville, this WrestleCon Neat. in Huntsville? Um, for It's Rocket City Wrestling, and it's tied in with Bruce Pritchard's uh, podcast thing that he does, right? And they're advertising Road Warrior Animal, Jimmy Hart, Tracy Smothers, uh, David Schultz, Wild Bill Irwin, as far as the legends go, um, and for uh, wrestling talent, Shannon Moore, the boys from ROH, Cortez Castro, Rebel, um, and Lee is wrestling Sabu on this show. This is August 11th. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Paul Lee is wrestling Sabu on that show. Versus Sabu in Huntsville. Now, he posted that his the promo he, he um, cut for this that, aired, that was up on Facebook got like, I want to say, three or 4,000 views in, you know, within the first day. Um, mm. And the ticket prices for this event start at $27. First row is $99. Wow. Well, I mean, do you know how much mustache wax costs? I mean, Bill Irwin's going to be there. You've got to deliver <laughs> the goods. You've got to make the man happy, Larry. Wow. That's, uh, that's a lot to take in. Boy, the boys of ROH, too, don't think they didn't slip that past me. What does that mean? Oh, the, 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 uh, the boys who um, 
fan Dalton Castle. The twins. Okay. Oh, what? Okay. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. And I know how much the, the, I know I know how much Rebel alone costs, and the answer is way too much. So that's interesting. Um, oof. Yeah, this is a high what dollar show with all those legends for sure. And that's in Huntsville. So that's this in Alabama. Yeah, so Pritchard's, oh, which mean, Bruce Pritchard's mm-hmm. co-host, Conrad Thompson, is from Huntsville. So that may also be a big part of the tie-in of why they're doing this in Huntsville. Um, gotcha. I don't know how much – but, man, at those ticket prices, good grief. Oh, well, we're in a bo- booming economy, Larry. So every <laughs> – right Everyone's got to – yeah, come on. You know, this this gig economy is working out great. Everybody's making, you know, $3 an hour at Uber. So, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Well, as as illegitimate as Paul Lee and his ventures can often be, uh, our guest is kind of the opposite, isn't he? Yeah, this guy's the real uh, real deal. Um you know, so he comes from back from nowhere, and boom, he's starring on three different shows. He's mm-hmm. starring Russell America. He's 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 on the uh, hostile environment show against Jeter. Um, he's got a top spot in Southern Fried. He didn't waste any time getting back in full swing here, and uh, he, hopefully we'll be hearing from him shortly here. That was kind of his cue. You know, it's, I think Mike, Michael Judas, and again, um, there might be younger wrestlers who listen who aren't kind of familiar with his whole thing, but he is, um, is it safe to say the, the only guy I think who's close to a Michael Judas right now on the Georgia scene is uh, Logan Creed. I think he's sort of a worthy successor, but I don't really know of another because Michael Judas had legit size to put it this way. When he was in TNA, um, along with um, not Gunnar Miller, but the other Gunnar, um, when they were together, they were kind of like bodyguard characters. And Michael Judas, I mean, Chad Lale is not a small guy. And now he's, you know, he's with NXT and he's doing a great job and ripping it up. But Michael Judas made him look small. Michael Judas makes just about everybody look small. Um, but he could have great matches too. Like I remember seeing him in person, you know, I was there um, to watch one of the great matches he had with Todd Sexton. Now people will give Todd Sexton a lot of credit for that. And of course that's deserved to a point, but the fact is it's not just small guys who kind of make their name looking legitimate against Michael Judas. It's Michael Judas's ability to know what to do when. One of the smartest guys, I think he doesn't get credit for that, but I'm going to give him credit now. Just a well, smart guy. Well, you can give guy. him credit right to his, his ears must be burning because we're um, joined right now by the uh, priest of punishment himself, the one and only Michael Judas is joining us on the tipping point. Welcome, sir. Oh, don't let me stop you now. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. You know, let, let's, I'll, let's I'll go ahead and open with that. I, I, this, this kind of thing, as a guy who, like, booked and wrestled and all that stuff, it always pisses me off because you wrestled guys like Slim, and Slim is an undeniable, fantastic, like, once-in-a-lifetime Georgia talent, right? Oh, he's amazing. And then, amazing. And, and Todd Sexton is a – um, well, you know, he's, he looks good bald and you manage to have matches with those guys and they get a lot of credit, right? Oh, of course, you know, cause slim looks so legit and he lays it in and all that's true. But I think people don't give you enough credit for not just being a good hand, but actually being a smart wrestler who understood how to work an angle, work a program you had great managers, no doubt. And, of course, you know, if I don't mention Jeff, he's just going to explode somewhere, right? <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> whether, whether with a manager or without one, it really – you were able to carry off everything. Face, heel, wrestling a small guy, wrestling a big guy, that big match feel when it was needed. Um, where, where do you, who do you give the credit to? 
to help make you the guy that was as well-rounded as anybody has been and legit, like, big league size to boot. Oh, that's it, – it's a, it's a list of people. Um, so you brought up Todd, so I'll bring him up first. Um, Todd is amazing at booking and telling a story, and for some reason he and I speak the same language when we're, when we're putting together – a match and what story that is going to be told. Um, so as far as helping me be that big man, I'm going to put that on Todd. I learned a lot from Savio and Luke down in Puerto Rico. Uh, I learned a lot from Bill um, on how to just begin to be that big guy. But when it all come down to it, I make the joke that he's agent Todd because if I have a question about anything, he'll listen, but he'll also give input. And if I have a dumb idea, he will tell me it's dumb and give me a better option. Um, hmm. But uh, I, I'm going to put him first on the list. Um, wow. then I'm going to put. Then I'm going to put Bill, Rick Michaels. I'm going to put Savio, Luke, uh, all right there. At number two. I'll ask one more question because I know Larry's chomping at the bit to ask questions. But here's my yeah. question. It's very simple. Uh, most of my questions aren't. But this one's <laughs> very simple. Um, okay. Why did you – I mean, you you stopped wrestling for quite a time. And obviously, you know, you have a business. Uh, you had sort of like a, a real life, quote, unquote, to take care of and was doing yeah. great with that. Why are you wrestling again? And and I'm not just wrestling again. You're not on some kind of like nostalgia, you know, oh, I just wanted to get back in the ring and kind of screw around and have everybody tell me how great I am. Like you're back like in legit angles with big promotions doing great stuff. Um, why did you want to come back? Um, well, it wasn't really my decision to take time off. Like you said, I had life. I have the gym. Um, I just had a baby. She's six months old. Um, I have another kid that's four years old. And I had a, a lot of injuries. Um, I, when I did the, uh, the invitational that Ace put on where I worked uh, Gunner Miller, I had a dislocated shoulder in that match. I had a broken foot and a torn groin. Um, so with life being wow. there, and I worked for about two months with all those injuries, I decided I had to take a little bit of time off and just let everything heal because it got to where I couldn't even work out, and it hurt to just be in the gym and train my clients. So I took time off. I did a few charity shows and such, but I didn't really do anything major just to let my foot, my shoulder, my groin heel, um, and now I'm healthy, and I've got, I've got time, and everything's falling into place. Um, so I'm doing what I want to do and what I love to do, and that's, like, really make an impact wherever I go. Awesome. Larry, please. Yeah, going back to that Scenic City match, you know, at the time, you know, it wasn't – it wasn't a good match, and, you know, you certainly didn't say anything about being injured, and I never heard anything about you being injured at the time. Was that, um, you know, by design, you just didn't want that out there that you that you were hurt? Um, yeah, I'm stubborn. Um, I've always, from playing football, baseball, uh, even through wrestling, if I've been hurt, um, I just hide it and keep going. I didn't want to publicize that I was hurt. Um, and it, it just kind of caught up to me. It caught up to me that weekend, really. Um, and so that's when I decided to take some time off. But I didn't, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to tell people. I didn't want it to be an issue. I didn't want to um, let down the promotion and the booking that they had put so much time and effort and money into 
putting into place. And all those injuries happened within a few weeks of that show. The mm. broken foot was two weeks ahead of time. The dislocated shoulder was a week before. And the torn hamstring happened at some point between <laughs> breaking the foot and hurting the shoulder. Um, Good grief. Squat. God. So uh, I didn't want to give two weeks notice and cancel. And I thought I could um, push through the pain and, and just put on a good show. Um, but the injuries clearly called it to me. Uh, so I just mm. decided to take time off, step away, and let everything heal. So I could actually I'm – a, I'm a perfectionist, and I'm hard on myself on how I perform and what I do. Um, and it wasn't up to par, so I made myself just step down for a while. Yeah. So going back in time, of course, you uh, rose to stardom um, in Wildside and Anarchy. And I remember you first coming in with uh, a stripper gimmick, which seems like <laughs> sort of mind-boggling now when I look back on it. Um, Tremendous. And then you um, – <laughs> Then you um, actually made a, uh, ahead, yeah. a, a small comeback back at the Wildside reunion show last year. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> Doubly sad. I didn't miss. I missed that show. Now. Doubly you should sad. be sad. Yes. <laughs> I had a few throwbacks in that match to that character. <laughs> you um went to Puerto Rico. Could you talk about that uh, Puerto Rico run? How it came about? Yeah. What you know? What your thoughts are on that time period? Um. I was at a, we were actually at an anarchy show and um, Bill come up and he said, uh, I gave your number to Luke. He saw some YouTube videos and he wants to bring you down. Um, so look for him to be calling. And about three minutes later, Luke called. And so I stepped out of the locker room, took the call. Um, and he pretty much said, we want you here in two weeks. Can you be here? And I was like, just book the flight and tell me where to go. And so they brought me down there, and they wanted to put me in a uh, like a Jason Voorhees-type gimmick um, with a sort of like a hockey mask or something similar with leather pants or a um, mechanic jumper. And little known fact about me is that I have asthma. <laughs> I was not going to wrestle in a hundred degree oh, weather wow. with an with an with an asthma attack just imminent. So I fought the mask jumper character and asked if I could pitch my own idea. Just please give me some time to come up with something as terrifying as a hockey mask and a jumper. And <laughs> Um, they said, you have 30 minutes. So I went upstairs and Flash Flanagan was my roommate at the time. <laughs> I said, Flash, we need a character. I need something. So we started running ideas and we come up with, um, do my face paint like they, like a goth misfit rock band, mm -hmm. um, super fan, make it a little scary. Um, it's a Catholic Island. So go with the Catholic premise of being a priest and just try to scare the hell out of everyone. So that's kind of how that all came about. Wow. So the, the priest of punishment gimmick was born in Puerto Rico then. Yeah. Yep. As a, as a way for me to get out of a mask to make it hard for me. to <laughs> <laughs> See now, like the way your mind works is so much better than mine. Cause I would have been like, all right, I got to get this mask and this jumpsuit off of me. Like I'm, I know I'll be Friday the 13 inches and I'll strip out of it. <laughs> That's immediately where my mind would have gone, which is why my in-ring career was never shit. So. <laughs> how? So how was that received down in Puerto Rico when you when you started doing doing the Judas gimmick? Oh, it was it was, it was over. The, the the fans loved it. Uh, it. It was to the point where. 
I had to wear a hat or a hoodie going to the mall or to the movies a lot of times. Wow. Um, because a lot of people really thought I was this really evil, like, cult leader worshiping the devil. So they would walk the other way from me. Like, very few people come up and ask for autographs. They pretty much just pointed, said my name, and ran wherever <laughs> I went. Uh, and some places – some places wouldn't serve me food. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, you are a rather imposing well, figure, works. too. Yeah, I would say. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, you, you hear stories. There's many stories about people, wrestlers going to Puerto Rico and having various kinds of trouble uh, getting their money, getting off the island. I know a lot of that's probably older kind of stuff, but did you have any particular difficulties in Puerto Rico other than people being fierce, fearsome of, fearful of your gimmick? No, not at all. Um, they, uh, as far as my pay, they were good. Um, I would get it on Mondays. Uh, Savio was, uh, good to give me my money. I was due. Um, I mean, I'd heard stories that other guys had trouble, but I don't know what their situation was or if that was even the truth. Um, but I've right. heard the same stories that you've heard that some people have had trouble getting their money. Um, but I always got paid. Um, I never starved or had to write home and ask for money to be sent to me. So, so obviously Puerto Rico, you, it really kind of like started to like really sharpen your edge. What's, What's something that from, from that point on, did you just feel confident? Like, all right, I, I, I know I'm like, I, I, I hate to use the word veteran, but did you feel after Puerto Rico, like, okay, I, I have a pretty good handle on this wrestling thing. I know which direction I want to go. Or was there still more kind of like learning to do, or were there still <laughs> things that you were kind of concerned with? I, I never, and even now, I, I've never thought that there's no learning for me to do still. Um, but I did, I did feel more confident because when you go from, um, working the Indies and being an extra on WWE and doing some TNA stuff, but you were never given the ball to like do anything major, um, in front of big crowds. And these guys gave you the ball to do something major and, gave you that that platform to pretty much have creative control over a lot of the stuff you did, um, it's going to give you a little bit of confidence uh, each time you step out there and just reassert, I might actually be pretty good at this. Because um, they didn't try to beat down any kind of confidence in the guys that were there. There was no walking on eggshells. There was no making you feel like, everything you did was worthless. Like if it was bad, they told you it was bad, but if it was good, they put you over yeah. and made you feel good about yourself. So yeah, I left there thinking that I actually could make an impact and not just be an indie wrestler forever. Right. And I thought I could actually do something at TNA or with WWE big time. Larry. Well, I want to ask you about TNA, but why did your um, Puerto Rico uh, run end? Um, the 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 original conversation that I had with a few people with TNA, what I was was I was going to be um, Abyss's brother, and oh. so I asked for. Um, my run to end and be sent home so that I could do that. But gotcha. uh, pol politics happened and a five foot eight Puerto Rican was named his brother um, because that's believable. That a five foot eight Puerto Rican is Abyss's <laughs> six foot eight. Wow. Six foot eight Abyss's wow. Brother. wow. Um, so I came home um uh, with that nonsense. And then uh, they brought me in to uh, do a dart match and looked at me for some other gimmick. And then they asked me 
after my dark match, which they loved, and they said, what character would you do? What can we, we can't do this one because we already did that with um, Abyss's brother. I know, well, yeah, not really. You didn't. But <laughs> I, had, I, I, was, I was put in position to come up with my monster gimmick that they would use that could make money because I'm the one getting paid to write storylines and make money for TNA when I wasn't even under contract. Um, because clearly nobody wow. had an idea what they were doing. Yeah. So I actually <laughs> came up with a character, ran it by Bill Barron's, who loved it, gave it to Dutch Mantel and Vince Russo, who loved it. Then they fired Dutch Mantel the week after pitching it through email and in person. And Dutch Mantel appears on WWE TV with my character walking out with Jack Swagger. So there I was with nothing to do. Kick and punch and act like you don't know how to wrestle because you're just a security guard and I'm given an agent who's a complete asshole who probably the most selfish person I've ever been in the locker room with who wouldn't tell us or he he would tell us things that were complete opposite of what the production meetings wanted us to do or he wouldn't tell us anything at all and would hide from us and avoid us so we had no idea what Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan and the entire production crew wanted us to do in our matches. So we would put together a match and go out and do it and then get yelled at, or we'd have to redo it like we had to do one time because we were told, go do this, and it was not what they wanted. And the heat was put all on us instead of the fat bastard that avoided us and didn't want to do his job. Uh, for whatever reason. And uh, so that was pretty much the epitome of TNA. Yes. <laughs> did you uh, – this is this is kind of a hard question, Michael. Um, yeah. Did you, did you begrudge in any way sort of uh, – because out of the two – it's like they gave Gunner the ball to run with it. I mean, I remember when he won that, like, it was TNA, so the booking was just total shit, right? It was just like, well, yeah. we've got this title, and it's up in the air, so you guys need to fight for it and show that you want I mean, fucking ridiculous. But he won it, and yeah. I remember going, like, oh, Gunner did a great job of sort of, like, he won the match, and then I remember him putting the belt in his teeth. And I remember going, yeah. that's that's great. He's kind of trying to make something out of nothing. And then from there, he got a little bit of a push. Did you begrudge him that? Or at that point, were you just so kind of done with TNA and <laughs> like whatever? How, how did oh. that strike you for real? Oh, that I was nothing but happy for Gunner. Um, yeah. He, he wasn't the person uh, that caused problems for me. Right. <laughs> uh, there was a certain broken version two point you suck that made the <laughs> statement before he was signed in December at a show that some of my friends were at. They texted me while I was at a show that his mission as soon as he showed up at TNA was to make sure I lost my job. Um, one of the other guys that I roomed with on the road during house shows um, let me know that this same uh, asshole uh, was burying me during uh, my matches on the road. While I was in the ring, he would sit back there and talk to the agents that were on the house shows and just bury me left and right about everything. Um, and a certain, another certain wrestler uh, made me take the fall because his fiance busted him hooking up with a chick off of Twitter on the road, and I was told that I was going to get buried to the office if I didn't get on the phone with his fiance and tell her 
that I was the one trying to hook up with the chick off Twitter, and I had her call my room because I didn't want my girlfriend to find out about it. So was I mad about that with Gunner? No. (laughs) (laughs) I was more angry at that clique that I wasn't a part of that for some reason had this hatred for me when all I did was went to work, do my job and try to do the best I can and learn and, and do what I could. But, and I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but there were several things that happened that made that entire click put a target on my back and the target really should have been on theirs because I did nothing that they didn't do. You, and you be careful rife not- with those. Right. I mean, I got to say, and I, I mean, I, not only do I believe you, I mean, it's been validated time and time again, guys like Xavier Wood. I mean, like this stuff, TNA, the fact that it exists anymore at all in any form is a bit of a minor miracle because I don't think there's ever been a league that was less successful financially that had more like sort of big drama constantly happening. Like every iteration of TNA has been filled with ineptitude, um, you know, at on multiple, basically any kind of wrestling sin that could be committed. They've done it in spades. I mean, and it's, I mean, it's incredible where somebody went on my Wikipedia and I had to take it off, have it taken off. That somebody went on my Wikipedia and said that I got released for trying to rape one of the girls. That was literally on my Wikipedia from somebody at TNA put on my Wikipedia because they had control of all that. And they added it to that. And I had to go have that taken off because, no, that's not what happened. So, I mean, after, <laughs> after all of that, Michael, like, how did you bounce back? How did, how did, I mean, cause that's enough to drive nine guys out of 10 out of wrestling, all yeah. dealing with all of that nonsense. So you kind of came back like bigger and better than ever. What was your mentality like at coming out um, of TNA? Were you, were you wrecked? Or were you determined? Nah. Like, what was your mindset right away? Um, I was just going to like take the punches as it happened and move on and see what I could do next, who I could, um, go to work for next. Um, I put a lot of energy into building up my gym, uh, which is really successful here in town. Um, and I just put all my efforts into being positive because that's just how, kind of how I grew up. I grew up from the west side of Greenville, uh, which is the hood side that people are afraid to go on nowadays. And so I was always the underdog. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. I always had to fight for what I I wanted, whether it was uh, a spot on the team as one of the only white guys playing, um, Mm -hmm. a spot in the starting roster, Um, whether it's I had to fight for um, recognition for scholarships to go to college um, and even uh, fighting for recognition with all the politics that I just don't try to play in the wrestling business. Um, Yeah. Clearly because I'm on here, like not being political whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) God bless you for it. Yes. (laughs) But who wants to listen to me come on here and BS everybody and be political? Nobody wants to hear that. So, I have no 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 qualms about sharing it. Yeah. Larry, please. So, uh, in a more positive vein, looking at your career, what particular angles or episodes do you feel the best about? Do you, what pieces of your work do you look back on with the most pride? Um, I'm really a lot of the stuff I did in Puerto Rico. Uh, the cage match at the first hostile environment was Rain Man, Corey mm. Davis. Mm. Um, uh, the the match this past weekend with Billy Buck. Um, I'm really happy about that one. Uh, and then if if you go back, um, the three way that 
uh, Gunner Iceberg and I did in the Atlanta um, arena. Back yeah. Then. Was it 2009? Mm. Maybe. Um, that uh, that like NWA show thing. Yeah. 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 That. Um, there's there's so many so many things that that are positive that I look back on with good memories of, and those are some of them. Um, every time I stepped in the ring with Todd Sexton uh, is a blast, and it feels like I'm not even working. Um, uh, man. Oh, I got to put over Dragon Con. Dragon Con shows are... <laughs> <laughs> They're a whole other animal. I love doing the Dragon Con shows. But then coming up, like what we have coming up, um, uh, the stuff I'm doing at Southern Fried, um, I'm going against Jeter this weekend at Anarchy at a Hostile Environment. And yes. I'm doing stuff with WrestleMerica over the next, uh, the next uh, three months with um, Tyson Dean and those guys down there, um, down in Barnesville. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of positive stuff coming out um, that everybody should just go check out. Um, the, the stuff we're doing in, in Simpsonville, uh, if you ever see on my Facebook page, we got um, Battle Zone Wrestling over in Simpsonville, mm-hmm. um, we do that for the Children's Miracle Network, and it helps. Um, work, we're working with Walmart and the Children's Miracle Network to give money to those kids, and those shows always have a big turnout. Um, so I'm really proud of that stuff because that's giving back to um, people that really need help. Tell us about the uh, tell us about the gym. Oh, um, well, uh, I've actually owned it for six and a half years now. Um, we have seven trainers. Um, we have a daycare area. Um, we do classes. We do personal training. Um, I'm working on some big things that I can't really throw out there yet, but I'll give you guys a little teaser. Um, I'm in the process of relocating the gym um, and adding more space and adding more options for members that might be a 24-7 option. Wow. Um, so the, yeah, so I'm, I'm wanting to go towards something that is not done because everybody that does these functional fitness gyms, which is what we are, um, mm-hmm. not a CrossFit gym, we burpees are burpees. They're not CrossFit. Um, box jumps are box jumps. They're not CrossFit. Yeah. Uh, but it's functional fitness. And a lot of these functional fitness gyms have limited hours. They have um, limited training times. Um, they only have times that you could come and, and train that are either five in the morning, six in the morning, yeah. six at night. 7 at night, and that's it. Mine's going to be 5 a.m. staffed, 5 a.m. till 8 p.m. with a class every hour. And then we'll have it unstaffed, and then you'll be able to come in 24-7, still do your functional fitness, still use your traditional um, hammer strength and Smith machines and cardio equipment, uh, do all that stuff. We have – when I took over the gym, we had 33 members when I took it over. When I bought him yeah. out, um, we have 350 right now doing group and mm. another 100 doing personal training. And I expect in the next year to take that number up to about 1,200 total members between group and personal training clients. Nice. So I'm working hard. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> has your perspectives shifted about wrestling? I mean, you know, when I stopped running PCW, I found that I like, I viewed wrestling differently and I, you know, I, I just have a different take on everything. When you, when you wrestle now, cause I mean, you're, you're active, you're doing Southern fried, you're going to be back at anarchy, you're doing, you know, wrestle America. Like is your perspective different than what it was say like two years ago? Um, 
I would say not in the aspect you're speaking. Um, my perspective right, right now is um, my, I have a four-year-old daughter that absolutely loves to watch me wrestle. Um, <laughs> and I have an amazing photo on my phone as my wallpaper that I'm going to turn into a big, big picture to put inside the gym. Uh, but she absolutely loves it. Um, <laughs> and wants me to win all the time. So my perspective now is when I have a show and she wants to watch, if, if there's something on YouTube, she wants to watch it. And if I have a show in the area that's close enough to where she can come, she wants to watch it. And um, really my perspective now is uh, do I entertain my daughter? Because <laughs> she, <laughs> she has the shortest attention span ever. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as like the the wrestling as a business, um, my perspective changed on how I view it. Nah, um, I still want to go out there and be perfect every time. And um, my body, despite the injuries, doesn't feel like it's been banged up for 18 years. Yeah, it, it still feels like I'm in my mid 20s, even though sometimes. It may not feel like it when I get out of bed, but um, <laughs> like right now, I feel like I could go. I could go do a twenty-minute match, no problem. Um, awesome. Uh, so I mean, I don't, I don't have like any bitterness or a different view of wrestling or, or any kind of um, change perspective on how do I need to just yeah. try to be safe and just go do comedy like a lot of guys do. After a while, I'm going to take less bumps and do comedy and just be the, the comic relief of the show. No, I want to go out there and I still want to be the main event. I still want to be the most entertaining. I still want to put on the best match of the night mm-hmm. um, and give 110% every time I'm there. Great, man. Well, I got to say, you're... Um, your, your your comeback this year has been a highlight for me. I've I've enjoyed the hell out of it so far, and I'm Thank you. I'm glad glad to see it that it's going to continue. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. Let's hope I don't break my foot, dislocate my shoulder, tear my hamstring, and groin, and anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yes, don't do that. <laughs> so, uh, Michael, do you have any, like, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, we've never really got to speak before, and this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, are there any fun. parting words you want to leave with? And, uh, and, I mean, and of course, tell us where you're going to be, sir. Hey, like I said, the parting words are, come to Cornelia, Georgia, this mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, and if you can't make it to Cornelia, Georgia, you got the fight out where you can watch the show for nine ninety nine. So if you're in Greenville, you're in Tennessee, you're in Virginia, you can't check the show out live, check it out on the fight app. It's nine ninety nine for the show this Saturday. Um, yes. It's a loaded card. I'm going against Jeter. Um, and I cross, if you have not seen this guy, oh, my God. That's probably been the highlight of, coming back and seeing all the new guys that have taken big spots while I was gone is Ike Cross. Everybody watch Ike Cross's match this Saturday. Um, I think he's working Billy Buck, so you know that's going to be entertaining. Um, (laughs) And then then I'm at Southern Fried the first of of August. Then I'm back down at uh, WrestleMerica. On the 11th, I believe it is. Um, it is. Yeah, the 11th. And then the 18th, I'm over in, uh, I'm down in Charleston um, with those guys. And then back over, hopefully, to Dragon Con. Yeah. Labor Day weekend. Great. And we've got some Battle Zone shows coming up for uh, Children's America Network at the beginning of September. Tons of Wrestle America Southern Fried shows. And I'll probably be coming back to Anarchy after this Saturday um, more than just this Saturday. So nice. I've got a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of bookies out there. 
Well, like I said before, it was great to talk to you. And I just got to say, Georgia wrestling, uh, wrestling in general, but particularly I think Georgia wrestling is better when you're a part of it. And so, I, I mean, I'm so I'm so glad you're back doing your thing. Um, I, one of my regrets, uh, I don't have many, but when it comes to PCW, I was just like, oh, what we could have done with Michael Jones there, how great it could have been. It just, you know, just wasn't in the cards. But definitely, you know, Southern Fried, Anarchy, of course, Wrestle America, and all these other places, uh, they're better for having you on the card. And it's wonderful to see you healthy and obviously happy with your family and your gym's doing great. And it's great to have you back wrestling again all the time. Thank you. And it's great to be back. And thanks for having thanks, me on Michael. tonight. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I'm sure I'll see you guys Saturday. Or at least one of you. Yeah, yeah. Larry for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Steven sounds like he's checked out of going to wrestling shows. He's afraid they're yeah, going to I'm, I'm in, back in the ring. I, I'm in fucking Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you need to check out. Yes. I think I think Savio's bringing an IWA show to Florida soon. Oh, really? I think I heard. Yeah, I think I heard he's bringing an IWA show to Florida in the next couple of months. Okay. He's calling so you, it you IWA on, Florida. Yes, you need to get on one of those, and then I can I'm, buy you a beer. <laughs> I just heard it. I just heard about it this morning, so I'm going to be messaging him to find out if that's true. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks uh, again, man. Great to have you on. Right, thanks, guys. Right, you guys have a good Take night. Care. You too. You as well. Right, so we're uh, rapidly approaching eight o'clock. That was fun. Yeah, that yeah, fun. man. I- I, I mean, Michael Judas certainly has been a big part of, I mean, you've been going to, you know, Anarchy, Wildside, you know, you've been going to those shows forever and a day. And it's got to be heartening for you to see a guy who's so much a part of the wrestling that you've watched in the state of Georgia kind of be back. And, you know, it's a cliche, but it's, it's, it feels like bigger and better than ever. Right. Well, I mean, he's got the, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. As I said, I was unaware of the injury, you know, the, 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 until we talked later, I didn't know about the injuries. But, you know, as he said, I mean, he looks as good as ever. He's back in full, in, in great form. And it's it's a wonderful thing to see and back having great matches again. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, uh, coming up, as he mentioned, Hostile Environment this Saturday, Anarchy debuts on Fight TV. And it's got the War Games. They got a yard call match. First ever yard what call is, match. Slim, Slim J. Corey Hollis. I don't know, but it's going to be outside the building. And the last time something was held outside the building, and that at Cornelia, it was completely insane. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's called a yard call match. Corey Hollis and Slim J. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then, of course, wow. Jeter and Judas, and he was correct, uh, uh, Billy Buck versus Ice Cross. Hell of a card. Hell of a card. Yeah, get your, get your ass there, everybody. Oh, my God. Yeah. That sounds incredible. And, Great. you know, it's a, so it's, a big, I, it's a big few weeks coming up here because then the AWE's got homegrown the next day at the opera, and then, of course, it's the Scenic City Invitational weekend the following weekend. And, you know, that same weekend, Southern Fried's running, and this promotion disruptor is coming into Cornelia that weekend with Joey Ryan and Moose and Simon Gotch on the card. So uh, somebody's, yeah, somebody's spending some money. Yeah. Or making a lot of gear. <laughs> <laughs> well, Larry, I assume you're going to be at hostile environment on Saturday. Yeah. That would be a correct assumption. So, yeah. 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 Yes. So I'm looking forward to uh, reading the report and I'm looking forward to getting texts. Um, one of the one of the behind the scenes things is uh, Larry when he goes to shows or I when I on the rare occasion when I go we we always end up texting each other and uh, talking shit and like giving numbers like how many people are there and that kind of stuff and that's always a great part of my night is just sort of a random text of like you know 
so-and-so this many people at whatever promotion. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I can always count on Larry, you know. <laughs> We're old guys that talk numbers. Like, we, yeah. we care about how many people are there, and then the quality of the show, that that's a different matter. But how many people come to your show still matters, and uh, it's great that Larry reports on that. So, anyway, um, I guess we'll be back in a couple of weeks with Tipping Point, uh, Special thanks to Michael Judas. It was absolutely wonderful to have him on and get a retrospective of his career, especially the Puerto Rico stuff and the TNA stuff. I think that's yeah. the stuff everybody really wanted to hear about. And he absolutely, for people that listen to this show that may someday be interviewed by Larry and I, that's the way that you present stuff. Um, just be honest. You don't have to name a name, but for God's sakes, get it off your chest. It's it's more entertaining to hear about. And frankly, I think it speaks well of him that he was so open about what happened at TNA in particular. I thought it was just a great interview. So anyway, uh, Larry and I will be back in a weeks with the tipping point. Thank you for joining us. And Larry, you have a good couple of weeks. You too, sir. Take care. All right. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.